Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Gary Armstrong and today I'm joined by Anthony Haggerty and Graham Young to discuss all the latest from Celtic Park. On the pod today, we will reflect on last night's goalless draw against Dundee. We will also talk about Lee Griffith's ambitions following his injury setback and his comeback. We will reflect on Chris Sutton's comments about John McGinn succeeding Scott Brown at Celtic Park. We'll also look at further possible ins and outs with Scott Bain and Chris Iyer potentially extending their stay at Celtic. And as always, we'll ask our panel to make their predictions ahead of Sunday's match against Hamilton. So gents, we'll start with last night. A 0-0 draw wasn't really expected, but um, Celtic kind of misfired in, in front of goal, Graham. Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe it. But flat, once the game started, it was almost like a pre-season kind of feel. Both teams were happily moving the ball about plenty of space. And actually at that point, you, I thought it might have been plenty of goals. But it just didn't develop into that type of match. Celtic had a couple of decent opportunities early. Dembele came close. But after that, it just kind of fizzled. Second half, there was a lot of pressure. They made a few substitutions. And... The surprising thing, Celtic didn't really go through the gears on the night. They were they had the more opportunities, more possession, but it felt like a, a team who was on the verge of winning the title, not having the energy of a team who was going to win the title. So there was a lack of urgency to get over the line. Maybe that's the way it's the way it is for Celtic at present. I don't know. Well, you mentioned getting over the line. Brendan Rodgers said after it that he wants to sprint over the finish line. Is that? You know, put in there to motivate the players that they can't just cruise to the title like this. That's clearly a motivational tactic. But if you look at Celtic's last seven league games, they've three nil nil draws and a one nil defeat to Kilmarnock, and amongst all that, you know, so five of the last eleven league games, Tony has not scored any goals. Yeah, you know, and and that's a concern. You know, or or, or it should be a concern for Rodgers because last season, I think I'm right saying they scored in every game. Yeah, uh, on their way as, as they swashbuckled their way to the title, you know, and the fans are used to that. They're, they're certainly not used to that kind of performance this season, and, and that's another one of those games where, on paper, you expect Celtic to run over the top of Dundee. But it's all right saying teams come and camp in, but you've, Celtic have got to find a way, or Rogers teams have certainly got to find a way to get through that. And on a few occasions this season, they've not been able to do that. Motherwell, the most recent one at Fir Park when they went down to ten. Campton couldn't find a way through that. Dundee, by all accounts, uh, and from what I've seen and read, that they were the same. They camped in, didn't show much ambition. But teams are, are seeing that they can thwart Celtic by maybe not showing so much ambition themselves. But if they camp in, defend well, win headers from corners and free kicks that they're inevitably going to concede, then they can get a result. Well, and the, the couple of chances that Dundee did actually make last night when he did come forward and show ambition, Celtic looked a bit shaky. I mean, it was that Boyata <laughs> challenge uh, yeah. off the post. and Yeah, well, both. I think Boyata had a pretty decent game compared to some of the others in the back. Like yeah, Jack, Rogers Jack actually praised Boyata last yeah. night, but Henry said really his performance Henry, wasn't good. Henry, Henry wasn't great in the night against his old team, but just at times Simon Murray was out-muscling him, uh, a bit too physical. I, I thought... Boyata, as much as he's been at fault in recent weeks, kind of stepped up to the plate for Celtic. I think just touching upon what Tony said there about these results are almost becoming the norm, these kind of huffing and puffing domestic performances. And I, I, I've touched upon this before. When Rodgers arrived, some of the early home performances, there was plenty of goals. But since then, it's not the norm for Celtic to be putting four or five past teams. 
it's just not been the way recently, and that never looked like the case last night. I mean, there was, there was several chances, Forrest, Dembele, Sinclair, Edward, I, I, I think Rodgers... All of those were half chances. Half chances, yeah, but I think Rodgers was pointing a lot to poor decision-making in the final third, and that can maybe be labelled at Celtic on a few occasions this term, Tony. Very much so, yeah, I mean, you... They are, they are still creating chances, but when I'm not putting my way, then obviously the fingers are going to get pointed, especially at the front men. And another thing you have to ask as well, what's happened to Charlie Masonda? Charlie Masonda was brought in and he was, you know, in a herald of trumpets, you know, that this guy was uh, a top, top operator and top, top player and highly regarded, but, you know, he, he seems to have disappeared off the radar. Why does the manager not trust him to come on against you know, a relegation threatened Dundee and to maybe create a wee opening for somebody or, or do something creative. You know, I know Patrick Roberts is coming back from injury and he's been eased in every now and again, but I think the Celtic supporters would be asking right now, well, why did you bring in Masonda in, 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 that, in that case, you know? And it, it, is a, it is a burning issue and a burning question that they would probably want answers to because last night seems to have been tailor-made for someone with a creative brain to come on, if things are yeah, a bit of invention, creativity. If things go the way they, they panned out, there was a lethargy there, or there was, you know, there was a lack of, as I say, creativity and goal scoring opportunities. Yeah, he, he actually went for the triple sub last night. You don't yeah, see it too often in football these I days. A spotted triple sub. Yeah, it was a surprise, and I think just in the build up to that, I think that the thought might have been. Roberts especially, but Masonda. It felt like that type of match. It was very... Dundee were hemmed in, they were holding on. As much as Edward has been a player who's been able to come on and make a difference, it was all very tight. It definitely felt like it was needed a player with that just little magic pass in the final third, a little flick, a little trick that would have made the difference. And I think what Tony's saying there about Masonda, I think the questions are definitely pertinent because... If you look back, it's an 18-month loan, similar to Roberts' initial deal. But the impact Roberts had in his first six months under Dyla, just it's streets ahead of what Masonda's been able to do so far for Celtic. So I think now, I know there's probably this is a bedding-in process, but I think Celtic fans would like to see a little more uh, action from the player before the end of the season. You also wonder if Chelsea will be asking the question as well. That's a good yeah. point. You know that he was signed to play. Why isn't he playing? He's getting more minutes for Chelsea, don't he? Well, that tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? You know, so Do you I think mean, Rogers realizes that he's not quite there yet and thinks, well, let's well, just get get him th- used to the squad and we'll use him next season. I think the Celtic manager, you know, he, he cannot fault his judgment so far in what he's done in domestically. Certainly been in Peris, but there's just little niggling signs here that the fans are getting a bit restless with nil nil draws and failing to put away teams like Dundee, Motherwell you know, who they were putting to the sword last season and just wee chinks there that they're kind of, you know, questioning, questioning, daring to question the manager and some of his tactics and team selections and all supporters will do that, you know, but I think it's just getting to that stage where it, it's all right saying they're big game players that turn up for big games, but, you know, there are games to be won before the title is clinched, i.e. Dundee, Motherwell, Kilmarnock Hamilton you know, and Sunday Hamilton and Sunday you know things like that they, they can't just turn up when they feel like it you know and, and, and there seems to be that kind of mentality this season when when they've been asked big questions they've come up with the answers domestically but there are times this season when they just seem to think it's going to happen rather than going making it happen I think a rather strange thing's been happening 
in the last six months, there's, obviously there was a lot of players out injured. So every time one of the bigger stars comes back, i.e. Armstrong or Roberts, that's it now, or Tom Rogic as well. Rogic is back, Celtic will be playing the way they are. Armstrong, who was very good against Ross County, wasn't as good. So it feels that one player, whoever the player is returning, will push Celtic back to the team they were last year. But there's more than that. Celtic aren't free flowing. They aren't creating the chances. There's just something in the way they try and attack teams. It's a bit stilted. It's a bit slow, and at times they're just. They could have played that game a hundred times last night. Celtic wouldn't have won by more than two goals. It's just the way Celtic are playing right now. There's just not the same level of freedom in the final third that they enjoyed no, last year. We touched on it a few weeks ago, but there's a lack of zip and verve about Celtic at times this season. Six home draws this season tells you, tells you that three nil nils and three one eights, I believe. You know, so that tells you that. There's a lack of zip and verve and creativity, certainly, in those games. Well, another almost bizarre stat is that Celtic's top league scorer, Scott Sinclair, is only in single figures, nine in the league. Alex Schalk has more goals for Ross County. So, I mean, that that tells you everything, doesn't it? Likes of Dembele, Griffiths, okay, Edward, they've had their injuries or had had their dips in form. But still, for for the champions-elect not to have a, a top league scorer with over nine goals is, is really surprising. That is a startling statistic, you know, and I, and I, and I will say that they've really missed Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths is the kind of guy that would have ran the channels last night. Would have, Did you not think would Griffiths... Have humping, would probably have came up with something out of nothing to win that game. You know, these are the kind of games where maybe they were struggling, if they were struggling last season. Griffiths was a guy that produced something special, you know? Yeah, well, he, he had a brief cameo last night, but I was actually going to move on to talk about Griffiths because he seems really confident. He was saying the other day about his injury that that's, you know, that, that's the end of it and that he can hopefully move on from here. But w- w- what can he bring now to Celtic between now and the end of the season for you, Graham? Yeah, I was obviously saying earlier on about players, the, the next injured player comes back and this will fix everything. But Griffiths is the one who... He just has a lot of shots in games. He doesn't stop having a pop. He's always moving about. He's lively, zippy. He's very kind of. He's a big impact player. For me, one of the big things about Griffiths is actually set piece delivery. Yeah, yeah. Massive. there was a great cross last night for yeah. Andre, which uh, was in the last five minutes where that was a big chance of the game. All of them were half chances. He's, he's fantastic. Not just uh, free kicks on goal, but the corners, everything like that. It's, it really is a. An asset for Celtic. He'll bring goals for a start, right? And maybe push into double figures by the end of the season if he gets his eye in. He'll also bring movement, that whole run in the channels, busting his hump to, you know, to bring other guys in. That's what he brings. He's, he's all round game. You, you, you ask, you canvass the Celtic supporters, they would start with Lee Griffiths. I fully fit Lee Griffiths would get ahead of Dembele and, and Edouard because of his all-round game and what he brings to the table and also the bonus of the fact that he can hit a mean set-piece but he can also scud them in from like 25, 30 yards as well out of nothing, just get a ball shuffled quickly from under his feet and bang, it's in the net, you know so he, he can do that and I think those, as I just want the Dundee games are an example of that a sharper Lee Griffiths or a fit Lee Griffiths would, would have created something eventually and, and scored and probably won that game Another positive for Celtic last night was the return of Craig Gordon. Uh, he had to be lively fairly early on because yeah. of uh, Simon Murray's uh, early shot, I believe. So, how's it going to? 
how's it going to run for Rodgers in terms of goalkeepers now? Is Craig Gordon immediately back as number one, or will Scott Bain be given a shout? No, Gordon's back as number one. I think he relies for. You probably forget how good a keeper when he was on the sidelines, and I think Bain's uh, filled in very well. He's excellent at Highbrooks, and he's looking very good with the ball at his feet, but Gordon is a step above both Bain and DeVries as goalkeepers, and his passing at times isn't always perfect, but he's by far and away, he brings a real purpose to the back line. He's, he's, you could see the way he was organising things last night as well. He was very composed at one moment when the ball came yeah, over the top and came yeah, out. And, and to be fair, his, his distribution with his feet has improved immeasurably under Rodgers, but at times, obviously, when teams put the high press on it, it can come unstuck. But I think for Gordon, he, he's back in. He's one of the big game big name Celtic players as they push for this double treble so I think that'll be him for the rest of the season I also think the arrival of Bain will have given Gordon the G up yeah. you know that he I needs because totally he, he's maybe hit some kind of comfort zone you know because there's a straight choice between Gordon and De Vries then Gordon wins it every day of the week you know and whilst establishing yourself as a Celtic number one he was kind of in that undisputed title holder territory wasn't he you know he, he the, the manager uh, Loves him to bits and was, was always going to go with him. But the arrival of Bain has given him another dimension, you know, another man to shake off. And Gordon, you know, is, is reaching that stage of his career where it's, his, it's the closing chapters of it, you know. But in Bain, he knows he has an understudy who's capable of stepping up to the plate. You know, you don't go to Irox in your first game and school's a cucumber despite picking the ball at night after three minutes and still end up in the winning team, you know. So he knows there's someone waiting in the wings who, if the manager does decide, to rest you in games where he thinks there's not much at stake, uh, then Bain will come in and do a good job. And you, you can't fault Bain at all. No, and it looks like he's Rogers is keen to keep him there. Of course he is. In, in, yeah, and when you, you talk about natural successors, that that seems to me to be a natural successor. As soon as Craig Gordon hangs up the gloves, then Scott Bain will be a seamless transition. You know, totally two goalkeepers that he clearly trusts. Because there's clearly a trust issue with Doris De Vries now. Yeah, I mean, you actually made the point about Bain possibly kicking on Gordon. Well, when yeah. De Vries was signed and then given the yeah. given the number one jersey last season, it did yeah. kick Gordon on. So, and I knew Bain would get his chance, you know. But you you cannot say to your tried and tested number one now that you're fit, you're not playing because that is your tried and tested number one. And I know people go with the whole you get the yellow jersey stuff, you know. You you're, you're leaving your you've got it, but you know, the manager clearly writes Gordon, you know, and he's still got a lot to offer and a lot to give. And don't want to look too far back, but there was, since the last podcast, there was the, the win against Ross County at the weekend. A couple of points in that. Firstly, the challenge in Scott Brown. Was that, was that a cleanly won uh, challenge, Graham? That was horrific. It really was. Like, there's, I think you can have a laugh and a joke. Scott Brown loves the, loves the battle in Scottish football. That's, that was appalling. I think that was just one step too far. Just a really nasty challenge that there was no place for it. And I think Brown's reaction just sums up the type of player he is. Straight back on it and dominated the rest of the game. Uh, but scenes like that are Scottish football just can't, that can't become the norm in Scottish football. That's just you know, just horrific. You give footballers a benefit of the doubt in most of these situations by saying there was no intent, there was no malice. But that's one of the few times. I've watched a tackle physically winced and thought that that was an opponent going out to deliberately endanger another opponent and hurt him. You know, no intention to play the ball 
red mist descended and uh, if you've ever spoken to Andrew James, he's a lovely, lovely man. You know, and I don't, a bit of frustration. Yeah, I don't know what came over him then. Maybe just the intended target, Scott Brown, and thought, you know what, I'm going to just lay one on him here, you know, and see, see what happens. But it was nasty, and I, and some, I go as far as to see those kind of challenges in my book are cowardly. I think they're cowardly acts, you know, and, and it was deliberate. You know, you can say it wasn't premeditated, but you, you look at the, you study the footage, it's horrific. And he's, and Davis is actually lucky that Scott Brown's the kind of guy that got and walked away from it. Because it was a terrible, shocking challenge. And I, I will defend Davis and say that he's a, a lovely person. I'm, I'm sure he'll be full of regret himself and, and, uh, and might apologise further down the line. But uh, as challenges go, it was a, it was an X-rated shocker, you know. The other point I wanted to make from the Ross County game, and last night to an extent, Graham, is the return to form of Stuart Armstrong. He's really picking up those positions, sort of the number eight, number ten, firing shots at goal, and he could be a real asset for Celtic in the closing stages of the season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Last night was probably, it wasn't quite his own song as he had been at the weekend, but I think he noticed it straight away for Armstrong, the Costa Rica game for Scotland, came off the bench, and that's the player that Stuart Armstrong is. He gets the ball down, moves it quickly, and he breaks at pace, he can drive with the ball. He's the best at doing that in Scotland by a country mile. In that position, that you call it maybe... I know Scott Brown goes by the number eight, but as a number eight kind of role, that kind of... But not quite box-to-box, but get, definitely getting in the opposition's box, and he's fantastic at it. He's brilliant at getting shots off in the round of box. His link-up play is very good. And I think Stuart Armstrong, he's playing at his very best, is, is the kind of player who can make a difference for Celtic in these games, big games that are coming up, especially the, the Rangers semi-final yeah. weekend for now. That's the type of game where playing like that, guys at Doherty, Goss, whoever's in the middle hole, he's got energy, he's got legs, he can get beyond and I think he can cause anyone problems and he's playing like the way he is now. I think Armstrong's one of the most vital ones that Celtic need to tie down to a new deal. One of the first names in the team sheet? Oh, without a doubt. I fully think sure Armstrong is getting upset there. I mean, he's he can be virtually unplayable at times because he does that floating role and he picks pockets and drifts into space, can create goals, can score goals, you know. So and and yeah, there are there are few better in that role, if any, that are better. And I know people are saying that they need to tie Armstrong and and Rogic down. It depends on how you see things, but I would be making Armstrong my priority over the two of them yeah. to tie down on a longer term deal. Uh, but that's just a a matter of of preference. As you'll know from listening to these podcasts, <laughs> you know. But. Well, I actually wanted to move on and talk about another midfielder, one who doesn't play for Celtic at the moment, but who Chris Sutton fancies to to join the hoops. John McGinn. Now, there's a lot of talk about is he the natural successor to Scott Brown? What do you think, firstly, game of John McGinn as a player, and is he good enough to to play for Celtic? Well, if Tony's got a dartboard in the house and it's got Tom Rogic's face, then he's got <laughs> a photo frame next to his bedside with John McGinn on it. This is a, obviously a player Tony loves greatly. I, I really rate John McGinn. I think that we've spoken in the past about Dylan McGeoch's been a player who looks great in the Hibs midfield. He's great passing. But John McGinn, for a team, Hibs have been unbelievable this season. I don't think that's been... With all the success stories about Steve Clark at Kilmarnock, eh, up to a point where Aberdeen there's been... They're still where they are, but Hibs, the way they've been able to push on. I mean, it's just been promoted. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. it's unbelievable. That gets taken for granted because it's Hibs, Neil Lennon. It's been such a, a fantastic. And McGinn is a, 
heartbeat of that team. He's played much as I was talking about Stuart Armstrong. McGinn's kind of got a bit of everything. He's not exactly like Scott Brown. He's not a direct replacement, but he's got energy, he's got pace. He's fantastic. I think he's really good at organising his teammates. You can see him constantly pointing out during games where players should be, driving players on, and that's the mark of someone who is captain material for, I think, talking right now about maybe Tierney and Robertson at international level. McGinn, once he established himself, I think he'd be a fantastic captain for Scotland, and he's the type of player who could make that switch to Celtic. It's because when there's times with players you hear names from maybe down south or foreign players and they come peeling John McGinn because he's been doing this for so long gets dismissed at times but he's a fantastic player I think he'd be an excellent addition for Celtic at the bottom of the summer it makes too much sense uh, we, we talked about Armstrong there and what his role is I mean John McGinn is really box to box all energy isn't he yeah I think there's I think there's just a slight difference I think Armstrong's the slightly more attacking naturally yeah. the two I think Armstrong and especially could easily play as a number 10 but those are two players with so many qualities, actually would dovetail brilliantly together, actually, in the long term. So, Tony, just I want to place on record that I, I don't dislike Tom Rodgers, I just think he's capable of so much more. Than <laughs> I think that has been placed on record. But we're about to uh, edit in the romantic music in the background here for your, oh, your loving with my, John McGinn. My, my John McGinn. Well, I mean, I don't think there's much I can say to what Graham has said. You, you've seen it for yourself all season, and he stepped into that Scotland role against Hungary and played like yeah. a man possessed, played like somebody that really wanted it, you know, I I dispute this whole natural successor to Scott Brown thing and, you know, I, why can't the two of them play in the same team if Celtic were to go and sign them? There, there's no law to say that they, they can't function in the same team. Well, surely he would benefit. Uh, same again did move this summer and we don't know what will happen. If he's playing alongside Brown for one or two years, that's only got to be good for, for both of them. Yeah, it enhances your education, you know. One Scott, a former Scotland captain possibly schooling a future Scotland captain, you know, but I, I dismiss this notion that the two of them couldn't play in the same team. That's to say, if he does sign for Celtic, he might go elsewhere. You know, there was uh, interest from Nottingham Forest and various clubs down south, but that can only have increased this season. And he's been given that freedom to play under Neil Lennon, you know, and people talk about uh, how well Hibs have done this season, and it's down to Neil Lennon. Yep. who's a shout for manager of the year but that's another argument but McGinn is the heartbeat of that team the same way Scott Brown's a heartbeat of the Celtic team you know and he, he's just a dynamo yeah basically, well, you know? what always strikes me about John McGinn every time I see him is his range of passing he can do the the neat yeah, 10 yard passes true. but he can also pick a ball over the top out wide and that, that'd be an asset exactly for him, the most through balls yeah. this season Scottish football uh, passes to the middle to the front I think he leads that by quite a distance. By his own admission, his weak points is scoring goals. But whenever he does score goals, they tend to be belters and they yeah, tend to be at places Celtic like Park. Ibrook Celtic Park uh, and wherever, you know. So and, they, and they're the ones that get you noticed, you know. I think the other thing, just final thing about McGinn, is pe- people forget now because of Scott Brown who he is in 2018. But the player that came to Celtic and made an instant impact actually playing alongside Massimo Donati in the Celtic midfield. Yep. But he had to take his time. He was actually out of the team when they famously won the title at Tanner Dyesville 8. It was Barry Robson, Paul Hartley. Yeah, he was still players, very raw then. Of course it was. I think I think the player at Hibs was totally different for the player Celtic. Striking added a level of discipline to his game. But 
even for a player of Brown who was in the same position that McGinn is now, he had to, if a move to Celtic did happen, it's not going to be seamless maybe at times, but McGinn's a player who has definitely got that level of quality and mentality to play for Celtic. The great thing about McGinn is he stayed at Hibs long enough to learn his craft, yeah. and he's not went elsewhere and stole the raw material. It, the material's there, and, and McGinn knows that, and he knows his next move's going to be a big one. He wants to be the com- as complete a player as he can be, before he makes that move and we touched on it a wee while ago and we said that when Scott Allen went to Hibs then possibly that could be the kind of make with some money and uh, some cash and Scott Allen on a permanent deal uh, I'm not saying that is the case but I think there's a school of thought that that could well be the case come the summer he's a player that Brendan admires and likes and he put a shot over the bow and he said he wasn't as good as Scott Brown but I think that was just a wee kind of because right. that's what I was going to come on to ask you both next. You both obviously fancy him again at Celtic as a player. So, do you think Rogers does have an, an admiration, or and think, do you think he'll look to bring him to Celtic Park this summer? I know it's in part disrespectful to talk about a player who's at Hibs at the moment. It is very disrespectful, but I think if you're on the lookout for midfielders and clubs like Celtic always are, then it would be remiss of you not to look at one of your own, Scott McGinn. Scott McGinn, sorry, John McGinn. Uh, because of all the qualities that we've just outlined, you know, and he has been a fantastic player for Hibs this season, and one of the main reasons why they're doing so well. So again, it is disrespectful because he's a Hibs player, and John himself will tell you he's very happy at the club, you know. But if he's asked the question, then he would move, and he got he got to say that Neil Lennon rates him in the five million bracket. So there are few clubs out, you know. English clubs can afford that, but there are a few clubs in Scotland that can afford that, so it strikes me as being only one that could afford a price tag like that at the moment, and that would be Celtic, which is where his heart lies, but whether or not he gets that move remains to be seen. And I think Tony touched upon about teams that can afford McGinn. McGinn, if he signed for a championship team uh, down in England, inside one season, players, and that's no disrespect to guys like Tom Kearney, capped by Scotland, they're getting linked with 18 million. John McGinn's the exact type of player who would thrive in a league like that, week to week, performing consistently. His value would skyrocket. And I think right now, for a player like McGinn, I think the time is now, and I know you touched upon it being disrespectful, but I think it makes too much sense. And there's obviously got to be a link. He's a, he's a standout midfielder in Scottish football. Celtic are the best team in Scottish football. He's grown up a Celtic fan. It makes too much sense. If really Celtic are to sign him, it's now. Because, as Graham says, if he goes elsewhere, his value will rocket. And they won't be able to sign a player of, of McGinn's calibre. So do you think Celtic should be going in for McGinn this summer before it's too late, in a sense? If they want him, yeah. You know, they would have to. Because if if he goes elsewhere, then you're, you're talking double-figure millions to bring back value to bring John McGinn. Yeah. As well. yeah. you know. Okay, well that's... Well, that's interesting that your two thoughts on that. Um, we'll look ahead now to Sunday's game uh, at Hamilton. So it's another chance, well, the last chance really for for Celtic to build up any kind of big momentum before the the semi final. Graham, we've got to really put on a, a stronger display this this weekend, don't we? Yeah, they do. I think it's strange, like not all uh, plastic pitches are built equally because. Celtic weren't able to move the ball that well down at Rugby Park, and obviously the level of Steve Clark's team. But games Hamilton this season, there's been plenty of goals. I think Celtic have been there, it was uh, 4-1 earlier on the season, even Rangers twice when they've been there, it's been loads of goals. There's, I think there's a chance of Celtic 
they're better on their travels than they are playing front of Parkhead at times. And I think this is a, a, a really, really important game. They need to play with pace. Yeah, a bit, bit more freedom. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that's fair. I think Dembele has played well. At t- he's definitely back to a higher level than he has been in recent weeks, but I think this is perfect for Griffiths to come back in and get some goals. And if, But then if Griffiths, if we've seen this before, if Griffiths comes in and does well, then it opens up a probably a can of worms before the, the Rangers game. But Celtic just need something more about their game. Rogic has played pretty well at times, I know Tony's having kittens next to me saying that, but I think there's a need for just a bit more urgency. If Celtic can maybe even try and double their shot, shots they're having in games, just to change so something up. There's... Almost as simple as moving the the ball quicker in the final. Third. Yeah, I, I think I think that I think that is it. I think last night it was about with Scott Sinclair when they picked the ball up in the halfway line. Celtic were breaking, and maybe this is just Sinclair, but I think it was more. In line with the way Celtic are playing in the final third, he, he very quickly played it off to McGregor at left back and then filled in in his left wing position. But that was an opportunity to just drive at pace and close quick, he's fast. Just to run it go, he might have had a shot for 30 yards, it might have went wide, but that, just not to even have the have the shot, I think that was the more worrying aspect for Celtic last night. I think they need more, a bit of urgency, a bit of bite in their, in their play in the final third. And if you're a Celtic player at the moment, Tony, you've got a semi-final coming up. There are places for grabs oh, all, over the, all over the pitch, so you want to make a mark this oh, weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You're only as good as your last games, that great saying, isn't it? So go out and show that you want a, a semi-final place. Go and cement one by by playing your best game or bringing your A game to, to, a, to a game against Hamilton. Which one paper you would say would be a, a banker away win? But yeah. having got what predictions spectacularly wrong for the Dundee game then that just shows you that there, there, there are no certainties even when uh, the top of the table are playing a, a lower or a bottom six side Well I'll give you a chance to make amends for your poor predictions <laughs> so uh, Tony Tony, you can go up first I said did I say 3-0 against Dundee didn't I? I'll, I'll, I'll stick with 3-0 No I think you said 3-0 against Ross County did I think I? you actually got well, that I get that bang on Yeah Brilliant I hope you uh, put your money on it I didn't actually know Well I'll stick with 3-0 again then because yeah, I, I think they've got the, the players to trouble Hamilton who who have got bigger fish to fry after the, the split. Yeah, so. and they're on a poor run of form at the moment as well. So, Graham? I'll be a bit more measured. I think it'll be 1-0 Celtic. I think they'll score in the first half. And at times they might look ponderous again and it won't be the perfect build-up to the derby match. But I'm actually going for Patrick Roberts. I think he might start. He played a number 10 role earlier on the season, the 4-1 game. Both himself and Edward played, and I think that's a glimpse of maybe the player who could unlock defences in the final third. Like, I know he obviously plays mostly out wide, but Celtic just something to freshen it up, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Roberts plays. Bit of a free roll position, sort of uh, behind. Something behind needs the to keep, yeah, but then at times it's all a bit tight because there's teams, too many. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so don't know. Plenty for Brendan to ponder. Okay, well, thanks very much for your predictions, both of you, and for joining us this week. That's all from us this week. We'll be back next midweek to reflect on the Hamilton game and to look forward to the Scottish Cup semi-final. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get the podcast as soon as it's available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening.